What is up? Welcome to another episode of Getting Mental. I am here with the fabulous Andrea Sonnenberg, and I am so excited to have her on this episode because she is such an inspiration, a force to be reckoned with, and I really, I know that all of you are going to get such incredible knowledge from her, and I can't wait for her to tell her story to us. So, Andrea, without further ado, thank you again so much for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so thrilled that I got to meet you and I got to see the important work that you're doing and see how our paths can align and kind of help more people. So that's what's wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to tell us a little bit about you and a bit of your short bio for our audience. Sure. I am trained as a lawyer and that's what I did for many years. And I actually was an entertainment lawyer and um, worked at at Paramount Pictures and, and worked on movies, a movie production. Um, and then when I had children, I kind of realized that my calling was helping people. And I ended up founding a nonprofit literacy and enrichment program for underserved students. So that sort of was my day job. And we serve about 500 students um, from low-income communities around Los Angeles with literacy and enrichment programming. And Four, about four years ago, my son, who struggled with mental health issues from a very early age, um, died unexpectedly, really completely out of nowhere. Um, he was struggling and, and severely depressed and um, had a lot of emotional issues, but we never expected that. Um, and the coroner's report indicated that he died of psychiatric drug interactions. So really, um, you know, not an overdose in the traditional sense. There were no opioids found in his body. Um, Just the wrong mixing of medications. And he never woke up that night. Uh, He actually did not feel well. He complained of not feeling well. He had a couple Advils. He took his usual cocktail of meds, and he was on a large cocktail of meds. Um, Grabbed a Red Bull. Part of me wonders if the Red Bull contributed to that and then never woke up. So as you could imagine, it was devastating. And my world just fell apart and I was struggling to breathe and to make sense of what had happened and just doing my best to put one foot in front of the other. And I have two other children, um, fortunately. Um, Bradley, the son that I lost, had a twin sister. So um, I have a daughter and then I have an older son. Bradley had an older brother. Um, So, you know, I had those two kids um, and and they gave me purpose and hope and, you know, kind of the reason to to get out of bed. Um, But I realized that I wanted to do something to memorialize this tragic loss and to kind of make lemonade out of lemons, you know, and do something good and and like elevate my son's legacy. And so I realized, um, you know, once I could actually put one foot in front of the other, because that took a while, um, I realized that I wanted to become a mental health advocate. And that really has become my calling. And I say to people now that, Bradley's work is not done. 
and he's not here with us anymore on this earth, but he's here with me and he is doing work through me. And um, it elevates his legacy and it makes me feel good, like I'm helping other people in his memory. And that's where I am. And so, you know, I'm on this mission to spread the word. Mental health is important. It's as important as physical health. It needs to be treated the same as as physical health. Um, We need to be there for each other. We need to support each other. We need to share our stories. We need to, you know, talk. We need to be, form a strong community. And we need to fight for access, you know, for for people to be able to get the help that they need, um, be it group therapy, individual therapy, yoga, meditation, you know, whatever, you know, a lot of the work that you do, Brenda, you know, getting out there, hearing people's stories, um, that's, you know, that that's become my mission. And so that's why I'm so thrilled to be able to be here and share my story with you and with your listeners, um, because that's, that's why I'm on this planet now. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You are resilient. You are a powerful powerful woman and a powerful soul who is here on a very big mission. And thank you so much. Like my voice is shaking a bit because I, I'm, whew, I took all that in. I, I felt it. I felt your passion. I felt your love. I, I felt your tenaciousness to get this word out there. And I'm the same exact way. So kindred spirits here, like I'm feeling it. And I can't say thank you enough because your your work is not going unnoticed and you're doing so much light work on this planet. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. And I'm so sorry to hear about Bradley and what happened with Bradley. And you bring up a really good topic with medication because that seems to be one of the biggest stigmas, right, around mental health, the medicine. People who, who say medicines really helped them. And then there are people who say, no, medicine's the devil. And they try to do everything, you know, but take medicine. And so my question has always been, how do we begin to shift the narrative around medicine? And can we? Well, first of all, medicine is important. Yeah. So, you know, even though it really contributed to my son's death, he was on too much medicine. Yeah. So medicine is important. Um, but it's a tool. It's like one of the tools in the toolbox and it's not the only tool. And, you know, you need to have the right medicine coupled with the right therapy, coupled with the right, um, physical activity, coupled with the right nutrition, you know, a psychiatrist and a psychologist, you know, part of what really bothers me nowadays is that the psychiatrists and the psychologists are so separate, you know, and I would like to see if someone's on medication and seeing a psychiatrist, there needs to be collaboration between the psychologist and the psychiatrist, you know, and I wish that it could just, the psychiatrist could just do it all. And that model has really changed where the psychiatrist is just the medication management person and you see them for 15 minutes and they adjust your medications and, and then you go off. Um, and I think a lot of that is because of the problems with insurance and, and, you know, that's something else we can get into. But um, I think it's really important, this collaboration. And I think that that's a lot of what went wrong in my son's case, that there wasn't proper collaboration between 
different doctors. He had a neurologist, he had a psychiatrist, he had a psychologist, you know, and he was taking all sorts of different medications. They weren't necessarily talking to each other to, you know, make sure that all the medications were working properly together. Um, but, but again, I think medications are incredibly important and can really save lives. And, you know, in particular, certain kinds of um, mental illnesses like a bipolar disorder, um, like a schizophrenia, some of the ones where it's really kind of hardware problems, yeah. you know, medication, life-changing. And then the software problems like depression and anxiety and, and PTSD and, and those sort of things, medication still can help. Um, but I think, like I said, it needs to be coupled with other modalities. And I don't think there should be any shame. There's no shame if you have diabetes and you, and you have to take insulin. There's no shame. There is no shame. And, you know, if the medication helps, fabulous. And if it doesn't help, okay. So, you know, you, you, find, you find something else. Um, but I think it's really, really important that we talk about it, that we share, just like we say, like, you know, oh, I'm on a statin, which I am on a statin. You know, I could say like, I'm on a statin, like no big deal, you know, and other people would then say, oh, what statin are you on? You know, and, and then it's, 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 you know, we talk about it and we share resources. And so I think it kind of goes to the, back to the point of let's not be embarrassed and ashamed. Mm-hmm. And if we're not embarrassed and we're not ashamed and we're willing to share then we can kind of get all this information out there and we can, we can help each other and we can talk about medication and we can talk about, you know, what worked for me, what didn't work for me, you know, what kind of treatment I'm doing. You know, there's all sorts of different kinds of treatments now, you know, there's CBT and DBT and, and even electroshock therapy. I have like one of the guests on, on my podcast is um, she is a successful recipient of electroshock therapy, saved her life saved your life. So basically we need to be open and communicative and sharing what we're going through, share resources. You know, I didn't even know back in the day when, when I was struggling with my son about like the National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI, which is this incredible organization that has classes for parents and group therapy and peer to peer. And I think you're, you've been like a spokesperson for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible. And if I had been talking, if I hadn't been embarrassed and ashamed to talk about what we were going through, someone would have told me about it, you know, and I would have learned and I would have had those resources available to me. So, yeah. And I love that you mentioned about coupling medicine with other positive productive tools, because totally medicine has helped me so much for my ADHD, but there's no such thing as a magic pill. You right. know, there, there, there will be days where no matter if I take my medicine, I will still be wondering why do butterflies have their wings, you know? And I'm like, wait, stop staring at the wall. I need you to focus. I need right. you to get your email right. done. Right. So that's when I, you know, dig into my positivity coping skills toolbox. And then I pull out meditation or I pull out breathing techniques or I pull out journaling or I'll pull out other things um, that are necessary for our mental well-being because our mental well-being is just as important as our physical health. And like you were saying with diabetes, when people have diabetes, they're like, well, I have diabetes. They have no, you know, I should about it. I take insulin. Oh yeah, totally. Not a problem. I have a headache. Oh cool. Are you taking Advil or Tylenol or what are you taking for that headache? 
Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing that's unbelievable is if you hurt yourself physically, you go to the doctor, you break your leg, no brainer, you go, you get your cast. You have a mental health issue, 60% of us don't get help. Yep. Yep. I mean, we got to change that. Oh, to change that. And that's what we're doing. You know, like that's why we're out there and talking about it. And I'm hopeful because I feel like young people are much more open about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the younger generations and, you know, and I'm hoping even, you know, so as as an older person that not that old, but (laughs) that I'm, you know, encouraging people of my generation to be more open and to be, you know, to, to be more to share more and to share resources and to, you know, just talk about it. So you don't feel alone. You know, on I interview these people on my podcast and we can talk about that later, but um, there, even people that aren't struggling with mental health issues, listen to the podcast and they say, Oh yeah, I feel that too. So, you know, it's not that unusual, you know, so it's just, you know, different, different levels and and different times in your life and different stressors. And, but we all humans are very, very similar. And, you know, we experience the same emotions and the same fears and the same, the same roadblocks and the same struggles. And it feels really good to hear someone else is going through what you're going through. And even if it's at a different level, you know, even, and sometimes maybe it's even better if it's at a different level, you say like, oh, wow, I got to be grateful. Yeah. Perspective. Exactly. We are all a lot more similar than we are different. All of us. And like you were mentioning mental health education or mental health in general, how do we just stigmatize? How do we get more people talking about it? And that's one of my missions in this life, making it accessible for lower income communities, you know, where they don't have any access to these resources and they don't teach this stuff in school. So I work really hard to make sure that I do deliver this, this service and um, teach kids how to meditate, teach kids about grounding techniques, teach kids about self-compassion, start them young because the younger, the better. I mean, I wish I knew how to meditate when I was a child. Oh my gosh. So true. So, you know, I I could say several things about that. First off, in my literacy program, where we deal with elementary school age kids, we do all sorts of meditation and calming techniques. Um, So, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to share that in, in the elementary school age community and we're dealing in low income communities. So I'm hopeful, you know, that, that that's a way that we can start getting that information out there. But I think what's really important, and you mentioned that they're not teaching it in schools. We need to teach it in schools. Yes, we do. We need a mental health curriculum. Yes. And, right. And so like, I'm, I actually have worked on um, a pilot program of a mental health curriculum at the college level and we're piloting it. It's being, t- it's at USC right now and it's being piloted. And once we get the tweaks worked out and, and we're happy with it, it's in beta testing now, you know, the idea is that we're going to share it with college campuses all around. And I want to also share it in low income communities so that, you know, it's accessible. Then the next step will be to work towards um, curriculum for younger kids. Um, because I think if you can sort of teach them, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Mm-hmm. How do you tell someone when you're experiencing this? What is it, you know, how do I deal with my emotions? Um, what are the different kinds of mental illnesses? Um, you know, so it's just, it's commonplace. 
you know, we don't, how do I support someone who's struggling? How do I get help for myself? How do I get help for them? What do I do if like my own, my parents are struggling? You know, Mm -hmm. I have people that I've interviewed that tell me they were raised by parents who were depressed themselves, who didn't get out of bed for 10 years. Yeah. And I mean, what about a, a child that's going through something like that? You know, so if we can offer these kind of resources, get it in the schools, um, and it actually is in the budget. It's in the proposed budget uh, um, to be able to um, fund mental health curriculums in elementary school. And I think that is huge. So to the extent that you're out there talking to schools and talking to students, I think it's so important. And I think that's, that's, a, way, that's a way in. That's definitely a way. And that can help with the access problem, because at least if these people can learn about what it is and identify it, then they might know to reach out for help. A thousand percent, because not all of them feel comfortable talking to their teachers or counselors. I did, you know, because I'm a chatterbox. I made a, I've made a career out of it. So right. <laughs> now for me, it was really easy to talk to my school teachers and my counselors and be like, hey, I'm not really well. This is what I'm going through. But not many kids do that. And I definitely didn't receive the support I needed at home. My parents struggle with mental health conditions as well. And I'm, I come from a Mexican household, Latino culture, even more stigmatized, you know, uh, mental health, that's for crazy people. That's for people, you know, depression isn't real. Anxiety isn't real. All these, all these things. And, and so I knew though, like there was that internal drive to go, no, I, I, no, I need it. It's not right. Something's not right. Right. I got to talk to somebody about this and I got to get validation somewhere else. But see, not, not everyone has that. And that's- no, you're really lucky. That's very unique. And, you know, uh, several of my guests that I interviewed um, from minority communities said to me, there was no mental health in my household. There was no, you're fine. Why would you be wanting to talk to a stranger about personal issues? Yep. And, you know, buck up. And, yep. and you're fine. And thank goodness um, this, these guests that I spoke to were persistent. And they said, no, I need help. I need help. You got to get me help. And they were able to get help. Um, and, and they really like came a long way. And it was incredible. But not everyone is so lucky. Like you were saying, you were able to see it yourself. And these, this young woman that I spoke with was able to be persistent with her parents. But not everybody is. Mm-hmm. And so to the extent that we can share this information and see like, okay, yeah, there is something going on and I do need to get help. Now, um, what is the name of your literacy program? So it's called Wise Readers to Leaders. So the idea is like, if you're a reader, you'll become a leader. Love and, that. And yeah. And so we basically... Um, do a summer, like a free summer literacy and enrichment program for six weeks during the summer. We do literacy, like a really state-of-the-art literacy curriculum in the morning. And then the afternoon is like day camp. So, you know, swimming and sports and field trips and dance and computer programming and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And it's it's completely free. Um, And we serve students that attend Title I schools in Los Angeles. And we also do, um, because I feel so strongly about mental health, we provide counselors um, and we do have counseling services through the Maple Counseling Center 
they provide us with counselors. And so we have counselors on staff that work with groups and individuals and art therapy and all sorts of um, mental wellness techniques. And also, as I was mentioning before, doing the meditation and um, doing yoga. We do a lot of yoga and we do, you know, we do, we do a lot of mindfulness and um, gratitude practice and gratitude journaling. So I try to be consistent with, you know, with my messages and my themes. Um, and, and I am, you know, my, my program is predominantly Latino students just because of the demographics of where we're located. And, you know, we work really hard at trying to be open about mental health challenges. And, and we've actually, you know, really were, have been able to help some kids that were really struggling with families that really were not accepting it and, or, or were not, or, or not necessarily even not accepting, just didn't understand and didn't know. And we've been able, our counselors have been able to identify concerns and help, uh, you know, and help specific individual kids be able to really, really excel in ways that they were they were not able to because of these mental health struggles that were impeding them. So it's been really, we, we feel really fortunate to have this partnership with the Maple Counseling Center. And then, and then a lot of times after the session is over, they can remain um, on a sliding scale. Maple Counseling Center provides services on a sliding scale based on financial need. That is so That is so wonderful. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And not only do you have um, wise readers to leaders, but you also have the Bradley Sonnenberg um, USC scholarship fund, correct? We have the Bradley Sonnenberg Wellness Initiative. Wellness. And Bradley, I myself went to USC and my husband. So we're both, you know, we're, we're both partial to USC. Um, and Bradley started at USC. Um, so we were so excited, um, but he ha- he ended up dropping out after the not even, he didn't even complete the first center of the first uh, semester because of his depression. Um, but, you know, we still feel very connected. And so we started this wellness initiative and basically through the USC Hillel, which is the Jewish organization on campus, we provide um, a therapist and wellness programming. And this is where this curriculum is actually being um, beta tested through through this wellness initiative. And we're really excited that um, it's inspired other college campuses to create wellness initiatives in the same way and to offer counseling services. You know, there's counseling services through the um, the mental health, you know, or through you know, just through the the student services, the student health center. Mm-hmm. But it's very inundated with requests. And it's also, it's a little, again, back to the stigma, you know, you have to go into the office and you have to sit there and you have to say, I need counseling services. And, you know, and a lot of times they tell you it's a really long wait, or you only get three sessions or, you know, um, they can't even see you, you know, they, they don't have the resources, they don't have the counselors available. So through the Hillel, Anybody can come and it's regardless of religion can come and can get a therapist and can partake in wellness activities, yoga and mindfulness and um, hiking. And, you know, um, they did a self-defense class so people could feel empowered and feel, you know, courageous and not, not fearful about their personal safety. So all that kind of stuff. And then we're now doing this wellness consortium where students participate once a week in a wellness curriculum, all about 
communication and boundaries and, you know, how to figure out what, what works for you and, and how to be in relationships and, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really incredible. So we're really, really excited about that. And we had a, a therapist worked to create that curriculum and, you know, hopefully we're going to spread that all over the place. And it really is my goal to get it into low income communities as well. Cause I think that that's, um, that's, there's so much need there. And I want to make sure we make that those resources available. That is so wonderful. I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be teaching at USC for a whole month. My, oh, wow. yeah, my four week mindfulness program. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, that's incredible. Is that, is it for students or is it for um, alumni or so it's for students? Yeah, it's for students. It's, it's, um, it's my whole four week program where I talk about gratitude, breathing techniques, meditation, solfeggio frequencies, which is my favorite um, way to meditate, listening to solfeggio frequencies. Oh, right. You were telling me about that in our last conversation. I love that. Mm-hmm. That is so wonderful. That makes me so happy to hear you're going to be there. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm so excited, you know, because the more, the more everyone knows about this, the, the better we can live this life. And you know what? Look, we're only here for a limited amount of time. That's it. And we, we have to enjoy it. We, we have to find the resources that will help us really live out our purpose and help others as well. Because that's what we're here for. We're here to be of service, right? And there is, exactly right. there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but we got to find those resources. And like we were talking about, they're not as accessible, you know, as we would like for them to be, which is what we're working so hard to make them accessible. But what are some other positive hoping skills that you would love to see talk about? Well, I love, love, love the mindfulness and the meditation. I love gratitude. I know it's sort of starting to sound trite, like be grateful, but studies, the research is showing that if you keep a gratitude journal, and this is something anyone can do, you know, you, you keep a gratitude journal, you will feel better. Research shows that and research shows your brain scan changes, you know, like, like there are changes going on in your brain. So that's like a really basic and simple thing that anyone can do. And what I try to do, because sometimes I find that like you end up just saying the same thing all the time. Like I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my health, you know, but so I try to limit it to that day. Like, what am I grateful about that happened today? You know, and so, and that can be, you know, like I'm grateful because the guy that was bagging my groceries gave me the kindest smile and um, I'm really grateful for that. So I think that gratitude and like a gratitude journal for like what happened in the day is huge. So I think, and I think we can all do that. And I think we can teach kids that in school. And I think, you know, guidance counselors can teach kids and you can teach your students. That's really easy. Um, I love exercise. Not everybody has time to exercise and I get that. And I have like so much sympathy for people that have to ride the bus to work or, you know, they have a long commute to work. So they can't wake up at four in the morning to exercise. Um, So, you know, little things like, you know, instead of meeting someone for lunch, meet them for a walk. I love that. Right? Meet them for a walk. Yeah. Meet them for a walk. Yeah. So I think exercise is huge and, uh, and it can be as simple as walking down the hallway or sometimes what I do, park your car instead of like 
riding around the parking lot like 10 times looking for the closest, best parking space. Just park far away and walk, right? That is so true. Right? I mean, we all do it. We all do it. So it's great exercise. So I love exercise. And then I think music yeah. is incredible. Yes. Right? And I think it's life-changing. It's life-changing. It's mood-changing. It's uplifting. It's something we can share together. And, you know, I don't know if I shared with this, this with you. My son was an amazing singer. So he was a really talented performer. And yep. he, he actually got into the drama school at USC and was going to be a theater arts major and was brilliant. He was brilliant and handsome and charming and actually kind of wanted to be, a, you know, wanted to be a performer. So when we lost him and I was grieving, the cantor, who is the one, the woman that's in charge of all of the music at the, at my synagogue said to me, why don't you come and sing with me? And I used to sing when I was younger. And I, so I think maybe that's where my son got his singing from, but I had stopped. I, I, I really wasn't singing anymore. Maybe just, you know, in the shower or singing to the radio. And she said, why don't you come in and sing with me? And I did. And I went in and met with her and we cried a lot and talked a lot and didn't do a lot of singing. And then slowly over time, we were talking less, crying less and singing more. And it was a way for me to stay connected to my loved one in a joyful way and something that he and I shared together. And so it connects us and it makes me think of him and it makes me draw on his spirit. And, you know, he lights me up and gives me the strength to be able to do that. And now I'm actually singing at our synagogue, like on the Bema, and I'm on videos and all inspired by him. And my mental health struggles, my struggles with grief. So, you know, I like to say to people that are struggling with grief is to look for personal rituals to connect you to your loved one. Mm -hmm. Things like music, um, their favorite song. You don't have to necessarily sing if that's not your thing, but, you know, maybe you play their favorite song or you bake their favorite recipe or you read their favorite book or you, you know, you do a book club and, and you choose like their favorite book that honors them. I love that you said that. Seriously, I'm on cloud nine right now because it's true. that And that's what I do. I blend comedy, music, and mental health education together to make it really- I love it. I love it. You're preaching to the choir. I love it. I love it. <laughs> exactly. I, it, it's so healing on so many different levels. In Judaism, we say- if you save one life, you save the world. Mm -hmm. So that's like my philosophy. Like mm -hmm. if I can help one person, I've saved the world. And so, you know, I do what I can to help as many people as I can. I think I shared with you, I spoke at the USC Women's Conference on Tuesday. Yeah. And yes, it was amazing. And, and I spoke with my dear friend who also lost a child. And we, we spoke about turning pain into purpose. And um, her daughter struggled with a physical illness. She had cystic fibrosis, but also had mental health struggles because, you know, being subjected to a chronic illness, knowing that you're going to die young causes a lot of depression and anxiety. So she had a lot of depression and she covered it all up because wanted to act like everything was fine. And Diane, who's my friend that spoke with me, is much more open about or was much more open about dealing with her daughter's illness because it was physical. 
And I was much more private about my son's struggles because it was a mental health issue. And I've now gotten to the point where I've learned that you suffer in silence. Yes, you do. And, and it's not okay. And, you know, I'm, so now I'm just really out there and sharing and being an, a, a shoulder for people to cry on and a resource for people and, you know, a way for people to learn what they can. And so, you know, we finished the speech and there was a line waiting for people, for people waiting to talk to me, you know, like that's how many people were struggling and, you know, wanted to say thank you. And I had a similar story or, you know, my son, my husband, struggle or this or that, or, you know, so it's really rampant mm -hmm. and people want to connect and people want to be part of a community. And we are, that's, best, you know. we are meant to connect. We are meant to be part of the community. We're social creatures. That's yes. why COVID and the isolation has been so damaging because we're not meant to be isolated and alone and, and not talk to anybody. That's not. No, no. And especially young people as they're developing. So, you know, that's why it's been so hard on them. You know, I feel that's who I, I feel the worst for during the pandemic. You know, people of my generation, we've lived and we, you know, and we got to experience so much. They were, they're like right in the prime of their lives and they're still developing and they're still learning, learning about themselves and to, to have it all shut down. Yeah. Heartbreaking, just heartbreaking. And so now, you know, we're reeling from that. You know, we had a, we had a crisis before that. And so I say, you know, COVID-19 was a, was a crisis, a, a pandemic of, of historic proportions, but so is the mental health crisis. Yep. And it's not going to be controlled by a vaccine or mutate away the way, the way COVID can. So we need, you know, we need to address this. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's what you and I are doing, you know, in our, in our individual way, um, working to combat this crisis. I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. So I always try to find what is a positive of every situation right. presented to us. And one of the positives that came out of COVID was the emphasis on mental health mm -hmm. and the importance of mental health education. So at least we're going in the right direction in that way. And schools are much more open to having different type of teachings into their curriculum, right. I'd say. Right. And another way that you raise awareness on mental health is through your podcast, right? And it's called Getting Through. Can you tell yep. us more about that? Sure. So there's so many negative stories about mental health. I wanted to provide role models and pathways for people to follow so that they could also have success. So mm -hmm. what I did was I reached out and I, try, I put my feelers out for people who are struggling with mental health issues, but getting through. And that's where I came up with the title, Getting Through, because there are so many of us out there who are getting through, even though life is difficult. And so, and the idea is to show people what it looks like, show them how these role models are succeeding, what modalities they're partaking in, um, what um, resources they're utilizing, what kind of therapy has worked for them or hasn't worked for them, medication. We've got the gamut. I think, I, like I was mentioning earlier, there's electroshock therapy. There's stories of um, refugees. I have a, um, a terrorist attack survivor 
who oh. you know survived a terrorist attack experienced severe PTSD, severe for six months following um, the terrorist attack after seeing body parts strewn all over the place, you know, struggling for 17 hours just to know, not knowing if she was going to survive and um, severe PTSD. And she talks about how she gets through and what, what worked for her. And then she actually went on to create an app because mm -hmm. she was so concerned about the lack of access that people that want that that are suffering PTSD and it's hard for them to get the support that they need if they can't afford it or their the, or the therapists aren't available she created an app so that you know there's now an app available that you can go online and you can find this app called Trauma Brace and it will help you for PTSD and they're actually showing you know research has shown that you can actually overcome and you know with all the the allegations of, of, of sexual harassment and, um, you know, uh, refugee situations and trauma at, at trauma at work, trauma from just being impoverished. I mean, you're raised in, you're, you're raised in poverty. You have trauma. Oh yeah. You know, so, so that was really, really wonderful to hear, um, that, you know, that there are sort of ways to be able to get this out there to people in a way that is more accessible, more affordable, and, and you know, more usable, um, more user-friendly. So, so that's what we're doing on the podcast. So we, we have our first season um, came out on International Mental Health Day back in October. So we have six sessions that are, um, six episodes that are, that are available on all the platforms where you get, where you get your, your podcast. And then we're coming on March 15th, we're releasing our second season and we'll have um, six to eight more episodes and this season, um, as a special guest, we, we actually have a psychiatrist. He talks about um, lack of access and psychedelics and, you know, sort of like what's on the forefront of psychedelics and integrated care and what it looks like and what a parent, how a parent can help when raising a child, all those, those sort of issues. Normally, we just talk to people about their stories. But for like a bonus episode, I put, I decided to put a, a psychiatrist on. So we're really, really excited about that. And um more people are listening and, you know, more people are feeling they're not alone and feeling that others are struggling in the same way that they are. And they get this sense of, oh, if they can do it, I can do it, you know? And, and then the other thing that I like to try to emphasize is that success looks different for everybody and that we don't all have to be on the same path. Like not everybody goes right to college and, you know, gets the perfect job and, you know, or even knows what the perfect job is, you know, mm -hmm. and that we all have our own path. And I've learned through giving all these interviews, through, through doing all these interviews, that success is about finding meaning and living a meaningful life. Yes. That's what success is. Yes. And I've learned from these young people. And, and, you know, the, the, the irony of doing this podcast is that I'm interviewing all these young people about getting through. And I realized that I'm the one that's getting through, right? Because of, you know, because, because what I've gone through, this is helping me get through. So we're all on this path, you know, yeah. and, it, and, and, it, and it looks a little different for everybody, but we're all just trying to get through. You know, like that's that and, and be our best selves and be, be supportive, be there for, be there for our neighbors, 
you know, be there for our, our fellow humans. That, that's what we, that, that's what, what we're here for. Yep. Being kind, mm-hmm. being kind, lending that hand, you know, giving that hug, being kind, being there for one another. That's exactly I, right. That. I absolutely love that. You are such an inspiration, Andrea. Thank you. As are you. As are you. I'm so glad I found you. I know. I was like, ah, it's amazing again, kindred spirit. Oh my gosh. I love that, that you reached out. And I'm so excited um, to, to continue to see everything that, that you do with, thank you, with getting through the podcast with, um, with wise readers to leaders, you know, with the Bradley Sonnenberg wellness initiative with everything you are a powerhouse and i'm so i'm serious i'm gonna we we are not done brenda (laughs) no we we have just started this is just the beginning i am so 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 excited and how and where did the time go seriously it's it's 12 52 i i felt like we started talking five minutes ago i know i know you're amazing all right well we have to meet for lunch Yes, I would love that. Oh, a hundred percent. And so absolutely. And so before we go, I always ask, what is one thing that you would love to leave our listeners with? It can be a piece of advice. It can be your favorite quote. It can be anything. Really be a compassionate listener. And I think that, and I think it's just so important. Like research shows now, one phone call makes a difference. One phone call. So be that phone call. You know, be the one that reaches out to a friend that's struggling. And it's sometimes it's scary. And, you know, you don't know what to say. And you're, you know, worried that you're not going to say the right thing. Or, you know what, you don't even have to say anything. Just be there. And as someone who's gone through, you know, catastrophic grief, I can tell you, that just having loving presence around is really, really helpful and healing. And I think that goes for anyone that's struggling with any kind of mental health issue is just be there for them and and be the one that reaches out and makes that phone call. That phone call that can change their mood, that can change their perspective, they could be having really serious negative thoughts. They get that phone call and they, and and you can like change the trajectory of their life. That would be my closing advice. That's beautiful. Be that phone call. Mm-hmm. Be that phone call. I love that. And thank you again so much, Andrea, for everything, for being here, for everything that you do. And where can our listeners find you? So I am at getting through podcast on Instagram. And I am, you can find Getting Through on um, any of the platforms where you find your, where you find your podcasts. And then my, also my website is Sonnenberg Gal, Sonnenberg AL. So you can find me on my website and you can always reach out to me, SonnenbergGal at gmail.com. I'm always available to help anyone that I can. Thank you so much again, Andrea. You are you're an inspiration. You're amazing. You're incredible. I mean, I, again, I sound like a broken record, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so, I'm so thrilled that you are, you are here with us and that you're doing the work that you're doing. Again, it's light work. 
It's not easy, but you're making a huge difference and you're saving many, many, many lives, countless lives. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on your show. I'm so glad I got to meet you. And, and, and the same goes to you. You're doing such amazing work and you're you know sharing your story and being open about your struggles to help other people. So you're brave and courageous and I'm grateful for, for all that you're doing. Thank you. Well, you're everybody- welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I am, again, just honored to have Andrea with us. And again, check us out at Getting Mental Pod, right, right down here. Uh, check out my other Instagram, official Brenda Z, and my website, brendasaraizuniga.com. And yeah, we'll chat with you guys later. Have a good one.